Hey, this is Why with Creative Habits Podcast, and this week we're talking primal habits. Um, so let me backtrack a little bit. Can you know it's wintertime, and I'd like to, you know, do a little bit of body weight training. I was reading up on it a bit, and uh, let me just quote you something from on it. Uh, I'm not affiliated with on it or any any of that or anything. I, I like Sean Stevens. He likes on it. He's got a great podcast on, um, you know, health and fitness. Uh, so Sean Stevens, if you look for the Sean Stevens uh, podcast, you'll see that he's got some great stuff on sleep. So if you have trouble sleeping, um, he's got a great book on that. And it goes to 14 days of kind of just you know, going through and uh, changing habits, uh, your sleep habits. Number one being removing devices and not being in front of any of them an hour before bed. And there's a lot more. But anyway, so um, here's a quote from this, this body weight training um, article. It says, when it comes to the basics of body weight training, you should be familiar with all the essential movements, squats, lunges, push-ups, pull-ups, rows, and plank variations. You should also have the ability to climb, crawl, sprint, and jump. These are primal movements. Obviously, there are hundreds if not thousands of different variations for each of the basic bodyweight training movements out there, but no matter what, all of them come back to being able to perform the basics. All right, so that's what got me thinking. These are the primal movements, right, for bodyweight training. We're not interested in bodyweight training, right? No, we are, actually, because, you know, blood to the mind and all that exercise actually helps your body your mind be creative right so but i thought about this okay primal movements you know if you, if you look at things each uh thing that you do no matter mastery of craft there are primal movements that you go back to primal characteristics the basics right i mean you can do basketball right it's shoot pass dribble so i thought okay what are the primal habits what are the primary habits for creativity? And I'm like, oh, man, come on. I mean, because creativity, you know, is different for everybody. And I think, you know, you got that capital C, creativity. You know, the galleries, it gets all kind of foofy. and Well, not foofy, but it gets, it gets a little more stuffy than what I'm kind of used to. I like the little C, creativity, and the little C is just... You know, it's at the ground level. It's just the nitty-gritty creativity, the stuff that makes it happen. We're not talking about creative theory. We're talking about, like, I want to write something. I want to make something. Give me some habits, you know? I don't want the theory. Nice. It's not theory. So, But still, so primal creative habits, right? All right. So what are they, right? So I went back to my past guest, and I, and I looked at a lot of the notes and I thought about my own habits and everything. And, you know, since nobody has, like, the rules of creativity and all that kind of stuff, these are just ideas. I'm throwing them out there. Throwing out these primal habits, okay? You can take them, use them, whatever. Uh, But I find they're pretty cool. So here's what I've come up with is primal habits. Now, I have to say, (laughs) obviously... This doesn't necessarily apply across the board, right? I mean, primal habits for a painter versus primal habits for a writer, they're going to they're gonna have some differences. There are some primary parts to it, and I think, but but they're, they're arguable. <laughs> I mean, you know, so there's my disclaimer. 
right, so what are the primary habits, okay? Now, I have to say take notes. That's primary, right? I mean, when you're, when you're doing creative stuff, you got to take notes. I mean, you, you, you got you to gotta take down ideas. You got to have that notebook in your back pocket because you're going to find stuff throughout the day and you're going you're gonna to go, oh, man, that's so cool. You got to write it down. You're going to forget it. It's, it's like the dream you forgot the night before. You know, you're going to forget it. You got to write down your dream and you wake up in the morning and write it down. You see those things throughout the day, you write them down, right? Notes. Primary habit, note taking, right? It might not seem like a boy, start doing it. You'll find it's primary. All right. Then you have your primary time for creating. Okay? Now there are certain times of the day when you create best. This is the time when you are on fire. Yeah, baby. Now I'm talking about you can't be stopped. Oh, yeah. All right, I'm getting a little bored here. I think I had too much coffee, but I have to say, there is a primary time for creating, right? What is it? For me, it's the morning. Like, I, I get up in the morning, I'm on fire. I'm ready to go. Like, I, I like doing stuff in the morning. And later in the day, I like taking a nap. You know, I don't like to admit it, but I take naps. You know, I want to put that up there as a primary habit, nap taking, but I don't know if many people would go for that. You know what I mean? Like, not everybody can take a nap, right? But oh, I tell you, oh, man, talk about the cheater's feeling of just, oh, I slipped into coma for 20 minutes and you arise anew. Man, I feel like it's illegal to take a nap because all these people talk about going 60 to 80 hours. Who takes naps, right? Man, but if you do... You'll be addicted, addicted to the nap. All right, I'm I'm going I'm going off here, but okay. Your primary time for creating, right? When is it? So you figure out what that time is. You just you probably know already, but I'm putting it out there as a primary habit. You have to know your primary time, and and sometimes it changes. You know, life changes obviously, and and your situations change, and so your primary time for creating might change. So if you find yourself in stumbling around, switch up the time. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there, and. But then when you do find it, people I've talked to, man, you got to guard that time. You guard it. You guard it with a passion. Oh, let's, let's do this. No, no. <laughs> no, no. I'm not, I'm not doing this or that and the other thing. I'm creating. This is my time. I got it blocked down, and that's my time. All right. That's my time. I'm guarding that. So anyway, primary time for creating, figure out what it is. Guarded. All right. So, uh, you know, you might think otherwise, but I, I found across the board, no, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you do have a primary time for creating. All right. So, this next one step outside your niche. I, I, I consider this critical because, okay, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Okay. You're going to find things, uh, parallels, you know, that. Yeah, bridge the gap between different things like painting and photography and writing. They have these like similarities in there. And, and just sometimes when you're reading and, and you're reading about, shoot, let's say you're a painter and you read about sales. Ew, who'd want to do that? But there's something weird that happens. Okay. You're reading about that and, and you're looking at it. <laughs> and I'll bet you anything you find something similar there. I know, I know, it sounded weird. 
or engineering or space, astronomy. Man, it's all connected. I mean, you know, there's a creative consciousness, which some people don't believe that it's there, but I do. I mean, you have people who uh, make and have inventions, and across the world, nothing, nothing puts them together, and they have the same invention, okay? Four people at the same time, yeah? The same time, right? And writers, you know, they talk about that collective consciousness just kind of comes through to them, and they just... They're not writing. Something else is writing. They're just flowing. They're flowing along, right? All right. So when you step out to your niche, you're gonna you're gonna like get some creative like nuggets, and and you get those from that exploration. I mean, it's just fun too. I mean, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. You step outside your niche and 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 you watch. TED Talks and videos, and it seems like it's cheating. Again, like the nap, it feels like it's cheating, but it's not. It's not. You're actually going to find ideas. You're going to find stuff that you're like, whoa, and then it's going to hit you. You've got your paintbrush in hand, and all of a sudden that TED Talk hits you like like from the side of your ear, and it comes through into your brain, and then you're like, oh my God. God, and an epiphany comes out, and all of a sudden it takes you over your brush, and you're like, wow, and you're, you're creating in ways you, you hadn't before, right? Um, now, step outside your niche. I think that's a primary, primary habit. This next one, I consider it primary, too. Well, obviously, <laughs> it's on the list, right? I'm just going down the list. Um. Create a tribe or core group of people for honest, essential feedback. All right, this is, man, this is critical. And I have to say I'm lacking in this respect. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for ways to tap into that potential more so than uh, I have in the past, right? This is, this is one of my goals for the year. I'm revealing myself. I'm putting it out there, okay? No, but it is. It's essential. I mean, you talk to anybody who's a, who's a creative artist, and they have that, that group of people, and it can be like two. It can be one. Well, I, it, I mean, it's, the people I've talked to, it's better if you have, you know, a handful, you know. But the lowest amount I've heard is like three or four. But anyway, these are people you get feedback from. Ideally, you can get feedback from your audience, but you, you have to have that honest feedback. Like, people don't care. They're telling you, know, telling you like it is. Some people, you know, they, they're all polite. Oh, yeah, looks good. <laughs> Whoa, man, you are awesome. That is so cool. Yeah, okay, whatever. Right? I, I, I'm not saying that happens all the time, but let's say it does for you, right? And... You know, you're like, well, yeah, but I need, I need some criticism here. You know, you got to have that honest feedback, and not just honest feedback like, oh, you should do this. No, it has to be like someone who's good. You know, I mean, I think in my ideal scenario, you have the person that's, you know, not really into your niche. They're not really that interested at all, but but they have these ideas, and they look at it and they kind of give you their ideas, and then you have the person that's in the middle. You know, they, they're kind of straddling between the two. And then you have the person who's really into it. And you get all these kinds of feedback. And, um, and it just helps you, right? I mean, can't help but be, be helpful. That creative tribe or group of people, you got to meet them on a regular basis, right? And you got to give your feedback. It, it, it goes both ways. So 
Um, that's ideal, and it kind of goes along with accountability, but accountability is a tough one because, well, you won't necessarily it, – it, it's hard. You might have the person that's in deep in your niche, uh, but I don't know. That's a hard one. Uh, I, I still haven't found the right right fit for the for the certain people for accountability in terms of stretching yourself, stretching your boundaries. Um, anyway, so create a tribe, a core group of people for honest, essential feedback. All right. So so far, taking notes, know your primary time for creating, step outside your niche, create a tribe or core group. Next one is read a ton. Read a ton. All right, some people won't read a ton. I get it. That's fine. And so maybe they don't consider it primary. And besides, a lot of people, you know, reading's kind of a lost art, right? But but uh, if you want better sleep, you know, you're going to be reading an hour before bed anyway. You're not going to be on your device. Um, you're not going to be looking at a device. You're going to be reading an actual book. But it's something that's fun with reading and, and different types of reading, like um, reading uh, for fun, uh, fiction and whatnot, but also reading with the idea of like uh, finding kernels and you know highlighting and then taking that and using it in your free writing and so on and so forth. But reading a tone, I like this next one. Uh, quick wins. Quick wins. You know, sometimes throughout the week, day, year, whatever, you know, you just, you lose motivation. I mean, wintertime, the clouds come in, uh, it snows, it rains, it's cold, dreary. Anyway, you need some quick wins, right? You you need to get up and be like, oh yeah, you make something right off the bat, something easy and, you know, immediate. Um, I don't know, that just gives you a sense of accomplishment accomplishment so the quick wins are fun Uh, i mean if you can weave them into your regular routine it just gives you a little bit of a spark especially if you're doing something long term like a novel uh you know it's nice to have it's nice to have those quick wins so last uh last habit flexible structure so basically have templates or core habits in place but be able to bend the rules and that goes over the whole thing. I think the whole thing, so you have the primary, you have habits, you have creative habits, and habits create this structure, and you need that structure so you can basically do output. Then, you know, you can create and create and create without sitting there and getting kind of bogged down on things. Um, you know, and, and it's it's that structure that's really helpful, but, and, and it's like a template, okay? But you have to be able to bend or, uh, break the rules uh, at certain times and just go for something completely different. You know, I was just watching a Bruce Springsteen. He um, he's doing a concert in Germany, and uh, he basically um, you know has a regular concert. His, his concerts go. You know, have you have your songs. Nobody knows what's going to be played, and um, and a fan asked him to to play uh, a song from another artist, and it wasn't going to be in his queue. And he and he actually. He did it, and he and he got his band, and they were trying to get the right key, and they were going through it, and then and then they went for it, and it's like, boom, you know, stretch yourself even at that moment where you're up in front of the crowd and you're actually like sitting there going, <laughs> um, 
Link in the show notes to that if you want to hear it, if you're a Bruce Springsteen fan. It's good. Um, okay, so so there they are. I mean, here are these primal habits, right? But they are double-edged sword because, like, the flexible structure part, and you have to have that beginner's mind. And, um, you know, how do you stay fresh from that? And then I thought about a couple different way, uh, ways of, of doing that. Obviously, there's many more, but... Um, Try doing quantity, uh, a large quantity, okay, a hundred. Um, we had some of our past guests talk about that. And I had the hundred video challenge, which was a fail. Yeah. Well, <laughs> first to admit it was a fail. But I think it failed. In reflection on that, I think it failed because it, it didn't I, – I, I was doing video. To go back to that challenge, I was, I was going to do a hundred videos in a hundred days, okay? And – each video is just going to be an hour. I mean, that was a total time to create the video in one hour, and uh, it didn't work. I only got so far. I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to tweak it. Um, I haven't given up. I'm not going to give up on that, but but I admit failure. And I think it's, it's because I didn't have some basic templates down, meaning for the particular videos that I was going to do, I needed a template structure to fill in. Okay, and if I have that template structure I can fill in, that I'm not bogging down time it takes. If I'm only going to limit myself to an hour, I want to have that structure, so I'm going to just plug and go. I didn't have the 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 basic structure or template in in place, and I didn't have the resources in place. Meaning, if if I can only spend an hour, I needed to prepare a lot of like B-roll, uh, primary roll, uh, a lot of resources that I wanted to be able to pull from, and I didn't. I had my research time in that hour, and that's that's hard. That's hard to do. And then uh, I didn't have basic themes in, in place, um, so I needed to nail down what my what my themes were going to be for that that hundred. Well, we, you know, at least half, so I could get going. You know. Um, anyway, those are my ideas and why that hunter challenge didn't necessarily work. But I'm going to come back to it, and I'll have a future episode on that. But um, it was too tight in amount of time, and and but that hundred, that hundred's good for quantity, right? You do a, a certain amount of quantity, and and after you do the the quantity, um, then you go and do speed, um, and you do speed as an exercise. Do quantity as an exercise. The hundred. Uh, and then you, you try to do them fast. Like if you do um, a certain amount of time, like like cut in half the amount of time it takes to do a painting, let's say. And and some people will say, "Whoa, that's that's not very uh, creative." Like because speed will often cause uh, tension, and that tension results in a tightening. And generally, when you're tightened like that, you tend to be less creative on the whole. But I would argue that when you do that speed, you actually end up revealing places where you're weak and you need to strengthen. And you go fast for short periods of time. It's just a way to stretch and understand current boundaries. Now, it's it's stressful, you know, but that stress reveals where you're weak. So then you just figure out why and dig into strengthening that area. So... That's where, you know, a couple different exercises to just kind of like stay as a beginner, so to speak. There's all kinds of exercises out there, but there's a, a couple to try. Do 100 uh, in quantity, then do speed. But I also think um, for, 
for primary habits and also for beginner's mind, you know, a lot of times um, you're going for intensity and focus. And that's a parallel to what the article on uh, weight training talks about. It says, you know, basics are basics are always important, but intensity and focus should be number one over everything else. I thought that was kind of interesting because I think that's kind of true artistically as well because you know, when you fall in love with something completely that you're doing it, um, it's that intensity and focus because it brings you into the moment so much that everything else falls away, right? It's that flow state. And you're looking for that flow state. And when you get into habits, that flow state gets somewhat removed or automatically actually removed altogether. And by keeping your beginner's mind intact, you get back that intensity and focus. It reinvigorates that intensity and focus. And so any sort of uh, exercises you can do to bring that intensity and focus back, I say are good, right? <laughs> I mean, if you if you can do that, um, not only is it more enjoyable, uh, and it might be in some ways stressful because you're to get to that place, you're actually stretching boundaries you might uh, go to a place that's more uncomfortable because you're saying, okay, I'm going to make something larger, twice as large as I've made before. Let's say you're doing pottery. <laughs> and you make something twice as large as you did before. Well, that's that's stretching a lot, right? Um, so in it gets you back into focus and gets you creating in a different way and your shape you bring back what you learned about that larger shape to the smaller shape it reinvigorates and you you morph your designs you morph your ideas on what's possible by stretching further so look for ways to exercise intensity and focus and if you find yourself losing that intensity and focus then definitely you know sit down and think about ways to bring to get it back to bring it back because i i think it just rejuvenates the soul creative soul um and it's quite important to the creative process uh, not in a capital c but in a little c so primal habits and keeping kind of fresh I'd like to put forth one last thing that I think can help through this process, and that's what I'm terming a CSI board. Now, I talk about the CSI board within what I'm calling the creative matrix. And if you go to the show notes uh, for this show, which is creativehabitspodcast.com slash primalhabits, you'll see a link to the creative matrix. The one of the parts of the creative matrix is what I term a CSI board, and the CSI board is like a vision board, but it's comp- it's different. I don't want you to think vision board because vision board you're you're visioning wealth, and um, it, it gets into some of the areas where a lot of people get turned off, or some people get turned off, and um, I, I, I say it's different because I, it's it's not about building wealth or these magical things, although it is somewhat magical. It's it's about um, the nitty-gritty of just keeping ideas in the forefront. So the reason I call it a CSI board is because like the detective shows, they have a board and they connect 
clues. So they have a clue, and they put it up on the board, and then they make connections between those clues, and they solve the, you know, uh, murder mystery or whatever. All you're doing with your board is instead of uh, mysteries, uh, to you know, to solve um, a murder mystery, you're actually solving creative problems, or you're... you're um, enhancing a creative project or you're putting together ideas for a project and and getting it all together those clues are stuff you find throughout the day or with stuff you read or see or hear or whatever and you take those clues and you put them on your board and you make connections you wouldn't otherwise make so it's it's a really fun process the board's quite easily easy to make and again i'll have links in the show notes because show you just some inexpensive ways to make a board, but um, but it, when you when you have your board, it works off of repeated exposure. It's like an ad for your ideas, if that makes sense. I'm I'm thinking it should, but just in case it doesn't, here's here's what I'm thinking. You know how ads work, obviously. You know, see a Taco Bell ad, and assuming you like Taco Bell or you like like Mexican food, and you like junk food or whatever. Just take out the Taco Bell part. But anyway, you it's for Taco Bell or some other place. When there's a trigger, in this case you're hungry, you might think, oh, I should get a, a taco. Um, basic idea, not much to it, right? But it works off your subconscious. Like you instantly, uh, you, you draw back because you're triggered by your hunger. You draw back into your subconscious mind for some ideas on what to eat. That's the trigger event, your hunger. And... I'm saying, you, you know, obviously your creativity works in the same way. You put your ideas up on the board and then you see those ideas. It has to be in a place. You're, you're putting your board in a place where you see it all the time. So you see it, you see it, you see it. And then the trigger is a question you have about the project, a question you have like, oh, what should I do next? Or, or um, you know, what direction can I go? And your, your subconscious goes back, and it, it, it goes back to those pieces that are familiar at first, right? And those pieces are the things that you have on your board, and boom, it helps a lot. Um, it's actually a fun process, but a couple different things besides making the board, because the board's easy to make. Um, I found when you have your board, it's key to synthesize your ideas, your board here's what i mean like let's say you find a clue which is something you heard um you know write down what you heard and often what you heard is might be really long it might be those full quote from somebody and if you put that full quote up on your board it's long like you you instead of seeing it and moving on you, you stop you read it you know that's too long if you have to stop and read it that's too much for your mind you need to see it and then move, see it instantly and move on. So images work best. Images with emotion. Here's a quick snippet from Patty Dobrowalski, a TED Talk she did on kind of this very subject to using a board, using images to recall and create solutions. So kind of interesting and uh, ties into the CSI board and getting ideas to gestate and then come out with as something different as something creative and so on all you have to do is look at your picture and then close your eyes this allows the brain to to recycle what it sees and reconstruct it add to it everything you've ever seen heard experienced or fantasized about 
And then it will serve you up with the best possible solution. And I go into this with a um, a full video on this, but basically um, if you can transfer the idea to some sort of image and put that image on your board, that works best. But even if you just have a phrase, um, that will work as well. It just needs to be short, like three to four words at most, um, so that you're not reading it, you're just seeing it. Boom, you see it, move on. Right, so it just goes in back in your subconscious, and it just it's there as an ad, as a continued exposure. So, what's really cool is that this actually, um, you know, ties into education a bit because if, if if you look at some of the studies, which I haven't actually looked at any of these studies, but I did find something pretty cool on the um, Everyday Math University of Chicago website, and uh, talked about repeated exposure. Um, it says, you know, through repeated exposure over time, concepts and skills become embedded in the child's long-term memory. And it works for adults as well. They talk about it. But I thought that's kind of interesting because if you don't like ads and you like education, you know, repeated exposure instead of, you know, is, is both in the laboratory and the classroom, both in adults and in children, in the cognitive and motor learning domain, spacing leads to a better performance than massing. So it's just spacing things out. So if you can, if you can give yourself... Uh, exposure over time, um, it can work wonders not only for ideas but learning. <laughs> but I'm not going to go there because I'm not <clears throat> not an educator, <laughs> and I don't I don't have the background for that. But um, but anyway, so uh, I encourage you to take those primary habits, the beginner's mind, those ideas, and put them on your board, and just kind of remind yourself to stretch, remind yourself of the different techniques you can use to um, retain your habits, that structure, while having a beginner's mind. And that's why I sign off recently with that in mind. All right, that's it for this week's show. Thanks a lot for listening to the Creative Habits Podcast. See the show notes at creativehabitspodcast.com slash primal habits there you'll have links to all the things mentioned in the show notes including an embed of good old bruce springsteen doing that rendition i was actually from 2013 but it's still pretty cool if you like the show share it with somebody else you know and give us a review in itunes thanks a lot for listening see you next week